Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Clint Jones. And today we're talking about Titanfall 2. Uh, developed by Respawn Entertainment and published by Electronic Arts, Titanfall was released worldwide on October 28, 2016 for Windows, PS4, and Xbox. I've had my eye on this game for a while because it had a lot of heat about its single-player campaign and not too shabby multiplayer either, so uh, when it went free on PS Plus recently, uh, we picked it up and Clint and I sat down to play some Titanfall. Yeah, I gotta be honest, this wasn't my first time playing. I've actually... I think it's interesting that you chose it for the single player, not the multiplayer, because the original Titanfall was a multiplayer only game, which you never see, especially the first in a franchise. It created a franchise off of multiplayer only. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, th- that's with good reason. They came from a hell of a pedigree, given that these are the guys that were the original creators of the Call of Duty franchise, Jason West and Vince Ampella, who uh, split off and founded respawn entertainment i believe from infinity ward geez i didn't even know that was the case actually that makes a lot of sense this uh you can tell this is one of the most tightly put together first person shooters on the market by far and now that i know they're from infinity ward that makes a lot of sense i guess yeah there's definitely a a pedigree here and they have their prowess with the fps genre on full display here like this is probably one of the most tightly uh controlled games that i've ever had the pleasure of having in my hands you know it just feels so good at every single moment yeah and they try to do a lot of things and they pull it off all pretty well and for those of you that aren't familiar with respawn a lot of people now are playing apex legends which is a another respawn entertainment uh property i guess it actually sits in the titanfall universe loosely it's kind of interesting but it's it's basically the only battle royale that's even remotely competing with uh, Fortnite these days. Yeah, well, you and I played a little bit of Apex a few months back, and I have to say, like, of the Battle Royale genre, that's the one that's uh, resonated with me the most. It, it just felt the best. The shooting is awesome. The level design is excellent. Um, the world is, like, uh, colorful, but still, like, r- semi-realistic and mature compared to maybe the more twee, toony graphics of Fortnite, which I like a little better just personally. Yeah, and no, and no building. I hate the building. I could never. I mean, I gotta be honest. I don't really get into to um, battle royales anyway. It's like even if you're doing well, it's usually a two minutes of action followed by thirty minutes of nothing, followed by you dying right before the end, and that's not for me. Yeah, I mean, we're not the audience for uh, battle royales, I guess. But hey, that's uh, that's why we're talking about Titanfall and not Apex Legends. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's right. I did think it was cool that uh, they tied that in at the very end. There was the little card that said apex on it and i was like oh shit i recognize that and uh, that was cool um but uh back to how this game came to be uh as you said titanfall one all multiplayer game uh the campaign was communicated basically in like uh messages that started off each multiplayer match that you were in i believe is that correct yep yeah there's like a brief intro and i'm sure again we'll dive into this when we talk about the multiplayer part of this but yeah, it, it almost gave like a narrative in the multiplayer, which is a totally new experience for me. Like you you and all your teammates come in on the same dropship, you're given like a pep talk by your leader, and you're almost giving like a context to the mission, which is cool because, you know, most multiplayer matches at that point just started like team deathmatch, go. Like this is like <laughs> there's actually some narrative stakes placed in, which is kinda cool. It definitely is. And, you know, that game did well enough that 
Respawn was able to fund the development of Titanfall 2, which is far more ambitious. In I, you know, I didn't play the first one, but I've, I understand it's a lot more polished. And it allowed them to focus on creating a single-player campaign as well, whereas the first one, that was just sort of, sort of sandwiched in along with the multiplayer. Um, as I understand it, they were looking with the, the world of Titanfall to blend Rambo, Star Wars, and Gundam, which, like, wow. Talk about a, a nerd trifecta right there. <laughs> I mean, I guess I see it, yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely don't... The cool thing they do here is that they do a lot of things, but unlike most games where they try to do too many things, they did just enough, and they did all of it really well, so it never felt... One part never felt worse than the others. I think we were talking about this when we were playing multiplayer, but any mech game we'd played before, you only feel good when you're in the mech. Mm-hmm. In this game, you felt awesome when you were out of the mech, when you were in the mech, when you're, you know, wall jumping, like all, all the all the parts felt right. Yeah, a couple of things there. Um, one, I read in an interview that they had uh, a sort of content ratio they were trying to adhere to with this game. Two parts combat, one part platforming, one part puzzling. And yeah, uh, generally speaking, like in terms of the campaign, that that feels pretty true to, to life to me. And as you were saying, the game mainly takes place in two modes. Uh, one, the pilot, where you are running around as sort of a, a human-sized person. And two, as the titan, which is when you call in your robot mech badass, about two and a half stories tall, to go lay waste to your enemies. Yeah, and you would think that those two things wouldn't mesh very well, especially so in the single player and in multiplayer, you're you can be a pilot up against mechs or mechs up against pilots or other mechs. Like, and you would think like one's clearly a glass cannon and the other one's this giant tank that wouldn't mesh very well. But they do a good job of making the pilot so agile that it makes up for his lack of health. And the lumbering mech is a total badass, but also slow. And it. It, it, it's pretty well balanced somehow. I don't know how they did that. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Like usually in mech games, it, when you're not in the mech, you're wondering why am I not in the mech. But in this game, it's remarkably well balanced. You feel equally as effective against mechs when you are a pilot versus how you feel as a mech when you're trying to shoot pilots. Yeah, actually, I get usually pretty frustrated when I'm trying to. That's the other cool thing. Like other enemy. Pilots can jump on the back of your mech and start pulling your energy cores out. And that's actually super devastating because your mech can pretty much do nothing about it. You've got to jump out and take care of it for the most part. So they're both very well equipped to take care of the other. Yeah, in multiplayer, that becomes super important. And getting support from your team feels really good when they're able to keep someone from rodeoing you. But like you were talking about uh, just a minute ago, uh, pilot mode is extremely mobile this game has a wall run excuse me has a wall running mechanic that is just so good and so seamless that it is probably like the most fun i've ever had with a wall run yeah you're pretty much not bound by any verticality whatsoever you can even chain wall runs double jump wall run double jump wall run you can keep it going pretty much you can climb anything go anywhere do anything that's never a constraint in this game and it never slows down as a result which is kind of cool and they uh make that a big point in the single player campaign where they're having you do increasingly ridiculous wall runs in increasingly ridiculous situations which is awesome Uh, On top of that, your pilot has a slide, which helps boost speed, and also uh, some tactical weapons that uh, they map to your L button, like a stealth. 
uh, cloaking field that lasts for a short amount of time, but lets you get some jump on uh, get lets you get a jump on some enemies. Yeah, and by the end, once you've mastered all this, you'll be like while running to get on top of a building, then you'll slide in, and as you're sliding, you'll shoot three enemies, and then you'll take off, go into a cloaking, and snap some guy's neck, and it'll be one long flow of awesome combat and you just feel like a total badass basically yeah the interesting thing is they open the campaign for this game with this cut scene where they show the pilot sort of doing all this crazy shit like sliding under a, a, a obstacle shooting two guys in the head wall running up a wall jumping into a building and then on the other side of the building is titans waiting for him and he jumps in and fucking blasts another titan in the face and you're like holy shit am i gonna actually do all that and usually in a game the answer is no in this game it's yes. Yeah, and you do it all the time, which is, yeah, you're right. They always make you look more badass, or or they make it look more cinematic than you ever actually get to be in the campaign, but they actually give you the tools to do that, and it's not hard. It flows well. Like, they do a good job of training you up, like you said, through the through the, the course of the, uh, the missions, too, so that by the end, you're doing all these things, and it feels good, and it looks good. It's, it's just good. Why don't we talk a little bit about the Titan mode now? Because I feel like we we talked about pilot mode for a while now, like when you're playing as the pilot. But when you're playing as the Titan, there's also equally as many different options for things you can do, ways to interact with the environment, ways to take out your foes. And this mostly articulates through the class system. There's a ton of different classes and loadouts that you can choose when you're a Titan, uh, both in multiplayer and single player. Which one did you like the most? Because I feel like they were very varied and played immensely different. There was one that was like quad rockets. I think it was Tone. And that one I enjoyed immensely. It, it took out groups of troops. It took out uh, mechs pretty well also. But um, the interesting thing is every mech has sort of three basic things. They have their main firing weapon, which could be anything from like a flamethrower to a Gatling gun to... An ion cannon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then they also have a... Um, a shield, right? And the first shield you see is this incredibly badass thing that like catches enemy bullets and flings it back at them. It's like the Matrix 2, where where Neo catches all the bullets and they just fall to the ground, except this time you fling them back. It's incredible. And then there's also like a, a shoulder-mounted weapon that's mapped to your R button, and that could be something like homing rockets, or you know where you paint a bunch of targets and then it fires a salvo of missiles or a laser that is like super powerful at taking out one large foe like another titan and basically they just give you all these badass things as a titan that make you feel like a swiss army knife of death yeah and when you mix that with all the options you have when you're the pilot too it just the number of options is insane and, and the way people p will play it will be variously different from each other. Right? And one of the most understated things about this game is that whenever you step out of that Titan, an AI will automatically take over in it. And that like is such an underrated assumption that the game makes on your behalf. It's like, hey, I'm not just going to wait here. I'm going to start doing shit on your behalf. And it's without a doubt like the coolest thing ever to see like you hop out of a titan go wall run and then like look back and he's blasting some dude on the other side of the map it's very fun yeah you become like this uh combat team it's actually pretty pretty neat um it happens that way in multiplayer too which is kind of cool yeah they the nice thing about this game mechanically in terms of the multiplayer versus the single player is sometimes in 
in a single player campaign and a shooter, they can sort of stilt a bunch of various things that don't really map onto multiplayer. But in this game, it's fairly one to one. You know, you don't get to play as the Vanguard Titan that you are in the one player campaign, but you do basically get to play as one of any of the uh, class based Titans that you see in a single player campaign. So what you see in the single player is generally speaking what you get in the multiplayer. Yeah, and I think that comes from the fact that this was a multiplayer first game that they then put a single player campaign on. And again, when you see stuff like that, normally you think, oh, they probably just bolted a single player campaign on just so they can make a second one. No, they actually took their time and they, and they made it good. And it wasn't necessarily a long campaign either. I think it clocked in at six to eight hours. But I got to be honest, uh, never got boring the whole time I played it. And when I got done, I was like, that was awesome. There was no dull moments. They were constantly doing something new. And by the time I was done, I was like, that is the perfect amount for me. Absolutely. It, the, the, I think the best thing about this campaign is that it, it really just stuck to when it had good ideas, it did them, and then it got out. Um, just to set up the campaign a little bit, there is sort of some lore behind the Titanfall world that I'm not going to go too deep into, but basically you are a frontier militia person who is defending their home as a colonist against the IMC, which is the Interstellar Manufacturing Corporation. How corporate? Yeah. (laughs) Corporation bad. That's, I mean, I feel like that's such a trope these days, but I mean, it wasn't really, it was just a, a setup to be like, okay, now go. So the, here's the thing is like, as good as this uh, campaign is mechanically like I have some major gripes about how incredibly lazily and poorly written it is and I like I know we're not here for that it's fine I'm not gonna like take this game down like so many pegs because the writing is juvenile and kind of shitty uh, but man it really is juvenile and kind of shitty <laughs> yeah but the the other merits were so good that I just didn't even care about any of that it was all about the I mean the setting was cool Sure. The o- the overarching the o- overarching story was a pretty much tried and true. So here here's what it is like. It, it's basically like a buddy story. Uh, you know, like you and BT. You're sort of like the the duo that like the odd couple that you know get paired up, and now you're out to have to save the fucking galaxy or whatever. And it's fun. You know, like you know you've played more recent Call of Duty campaigns than I have, but as I understand it, like. Call of Duty campaigns tend to be like big Hollywood-like fairs, like Russia's invading something or something very big and impactful. This is kind of just like, it's on a slightly more personal scale. Like your mentor was killed in combat, you get a field promotion, and all of a sudden you're responsible for his incredibly difficult one-man army mission. And, and they did some cool things here too. I know the writing wasn't like supremely great, but it did a few things that kind of made you feel more attached to the story. Like when you're talking to BT, which is your mech. Now he he does talk to you. He's got this dry sense of humor. So there's like a little bit of interplay. Final Kill kind of feels like a, a buddy cop uh, kind of thing going on. But also you get to pick dialogue. Now that doesn't seem like a big deal and it wasn't very, very deep either. It was like pick pick this is a or b but when you get to pick it makes you feel a little more attached to it and i think it did a good job okay i'm gonna push back on that one because i had this written exactly like the dialogue in this game is like while it does give you a choice it does the most incredible thing i've ever seen dialogue do which is literally not affect anything no matter which of those choices you make there's no impact on your character no impact on the progression of the plot like they somehow managed to find a way to introduce dialogue options 
with no optionality. Yeah, I have an I have an opposite note. I mean, so cl- clearly, uh, clearly, it, it depends on uh, on uh, the way you perceive it. But I said I enjoyed the small conversation, dialogue choices, not deep, but it makes you feel more involved with BT. Yeah, it's it's not progressing your character or their character, but it makes you feel more attached to the character that is your mech, even though he's an AI, he has a personality and you almost depend on each other to make it through this thing. Well, what it is, is this game is relying on you, like focusing more on the fact that like, holy shit, I just did a cool explosion thing rather than like the plot, you know, and for lack of a better word, you're, you're right. What it's trying to do here is manipulate you into feeling something for these characters, which, and let's just back up here. They're called Jack Cooper and BT, AK Whitey <laughs> McWhiteface and some robot <laughs> yeah, pretty much like i mean that's that's a completely accurate <laughs> description of both of them but they do have to set up semi emotional stakes mm-hmm. for some of these characters so that you care when things happen like obviously we're not going to major spoilers here because again this isn't the best written story on planet earth or any other planet but <laughs> uh you know there's a point where bt sacrifices himself for you and you're supposed to feel something and without those dialogue choices i think i would have cared a hell of a lot less but with a little bit of dry humor they gave the mech and your meaningless but still important dialogue choices i felt a little something for it it's emotionally resonant like when when in my favorite mission uh mission three uh into the abyss when bt gets captured by that crane claw and i had to go chase after him i was like oh shit my buddy it's like basically like (laughs) it's like if my dog bandit got captured by a giant crane claw and i had to go save him like i would be like oh man i gotta go get him and that's a weird situation to be in but yeah but you're right like it may be like incredibly simplistic and maybe they left all of their um placeholder nouns and verbs that they were supposed to replace by better things later on in the story (laughs) but at the end of the day like maybe it's just like I'm easily succumbing to emotional manipulation, but it worked. You know, I felt something for BT and I wanted to go save him. Yeah. And I think honestly, that's all the story needed to do. This game has so many good things about it that we didn't need an immensely crazy story to drive it along. It drives itself along. It's got enough going on as is. And, and the, the main thing here is, like you said, it was brief. Like, you get through it in maybe six, seven hours. And if it had tried to keep me around longer, that's when I start to rely on, like, the good story to pull me through. And this game got out before it needed to do that. Thank God. I will have to say, though, that, like, Jack Cooper, uh, the random rifleman that suddenly gets promoted into, <laughs> like, oh, now he's a pilot. Oh, shit, now he's in Marauder Corps. Oh, shit, now he's doing this mission that's going to save the universe. Like, it's just, like, the most back-ass bumbling into success that I've ever seen from a video game protagonist. <laughs> and yet I was totally okay with it. Again, I, I knew it was dumb when it was happening, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. Like, it it takes you along for a ride. It's definitely like the popcorn flick of stories here. But, you know, what are you going to expect? It's the it's the single-player campaign from what, a game that was supposed to be primarily a multiplayer property. It's amazing that it's as good as it is. Let's move past the story and talk about the things that actually made this game amazing. In my opinion, the two most important things, all the mechanics and the things that went with it, the level design. Those two things were insanely good. What was your favorite level? So I have two, uh, and I think everyone that's going to listen to this that's played this game knows which one they, ones they are. But um, Into the Abyss is the one that I mentioned where you are going through basically a 
manufacturing plant for prefab houses and environments. And there's just incredible platforming where you're working and jumping through these environments that you normally only see, you know, right side up. But all of a sudden they're flipping them and turning them and you're wall running on them and it's just... While you're in them. Yeah, while you are while you are in them and watching these new houses be built on an assembly line at a scale that you can't even imagine in real life. It's really visually stunning and mechanically amazing. And the best part about all that is this stuff that you've been platforming through and watching it get put all together turns out to be the boss arena at the end. You've been in it the whole time. It's That, that was a really cool touch. Yeah, I love that one. And the other one I really liked, which is odd because I usually hate this in a video game, is the, uh, the the time warp mission. Of course, effect and cause. Mission four right after it. Like with these two, one-two punch of missions was like, holy shit, this is like the best single player FPS campaign I've ever played. Yeah, normally the flash, the whole flashback thing is annoying. Uh, they People use it as a storytelling device constantly in, uh, in video games. You're like, oh God, another fucking flashback. <laughs> this time you're living through the flashback and you can flash back and forward and you have to in real time as you're doing platforming puzzles yeah, they basically remap your uh, tactical ability, the L button, to changing timelines, right? You're either in the past or you're in the present. And so they those two have very different uh, things going on. One of them's in ruins. The, uh, f- the presence in ruins, the past is like still functional. There's tons of enemies in the past. The uh, present is full of like mutant beasts and things like that. So there's a really cool dichotomy of like a place in two separate times. Yeah, and you'll be like halfway through a jump, like you'll be in the, I guess, in the future and you'll do this crazy jump that's literally going nowhere and then you'll switch back to the past and then that that platform will be there and then you'll do do the reverse. Like, it's like crazy. I can't even explain it. You got to play it. Like, that alone was one of the coolest mechanics in a video game I've seen in years. And the funnest thing about that is, is uh, there's not always danger in one of the timelines. So like... Me, my favorite uh, mode of killing enemies in this game was melee because this game's melee is incredibly satisfying. So I was like basically like popping into a certain timeline, punching a dude in the face and disappearing, popping back in behind the next guy, punching him in the face. I was basically like a time boxer, but not like a super productivity guru, just like a badass time hopping pugilist. (laughs) Yeah, and and the funny thing is they... The enemies realize you're doing this, and you hear them talking like, "What the fuck is going on? How's he moving like that?" And then you just like he'll like switch to the other timeline and jump behind where they are, and then turn it back, and then just snap their neck, and they're all freaking out. It's 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 pretty cool. It makes you again this game front to back makes you feel like a badass. Whether you're a pilot, whether you're in the mech, whether you're jumping through time, you are just the biggest badass to ever be. Even though you just happen to be this nobody that just all of a sudden figured out how to be the best fighter on ever you're not getting any stronger than this it's pretty wild and you know it works like it's it's like pulse poundingly fun and you know you don't you don't get a lot of missions in fps campaigns that make you look back and be like wow that was special and uh this game did it and weirdly though i have to mention this because the two missions that we just mentioned had an analog from a game that came out basically within a month of this game, uh, Dishonored 2. If you'll remember uh, the Clockwork Mansion in Dishonored 2? 
I don't want to talk about it. Oddly enough, we're going to do Dishonored. Somehow, I love Dishonored 1, and I have never got through Dishonored 2, but I've heard that's one of the best missions ever, so don't spoil okay. it for me now. Okay, I just, uh, I'll put this out there, spoiler-free uh, statement here. Those two levels we just talked about have analogs in Dishonored 2, and they came out around basically the same time, like within weeks of each other. There's some like weird convergent evolution shit going on in game design at this time, where like these ideas were just in the ether. Well, it's weird because you know they both had to have been working on them for years ahead of time. It's not like they could just be like, ooh, I'm going to copy that. Yeah, someone went to the same conference uh, in those two teams <laughs> back like five years before these games started, and like they both came away with the same thing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, we should do Dishonored 2 someday. That could be fun. I'm embarrassed that I haven't beat that yet, but uh, I need to get back on it. Yeah, it's a good game. I'll, I'd be happy to play that game again. Um, cool. At any rate, you know, this game doesn't end with Mission 4 cause and effect. There's also, like, a badass mission where you're kind of in, like, a no-floor, like, gigantic... Um, I guess it's a communications relay, but it's sort of like a Cloud City-type level. And then after that, you're in basically a dogfight jumping between ships that are racing through this uh, mountainous canyon. And then f- yeah, that was sweet. Yeah, and then finally you you finish off with sort of the uh, very dramatic mission where like you're captured by the enemy, and weirdly enough, BT dies for you twice, which I thought was sort of undercutting of like this first death. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. he didn't need to die uh, he, twice; he, just once is good enough. <laughs> nah. We're, we're again we're turning it up to 11 like we did in the rest of the game <laughs> like i mean it, it was very affecting when like he was like all right i'm gonna trick him you just watch this i'm gonna take him out and then like he gets killed and i was like oh shit we're really fucked now and then like 45 minutes later he's back alive and i've got this really overpowered gun which is like you had this the whole time what the fuck man yeah. where were you <laughs> keeping this <laughs> and uh yeah and then at the end he like sacrifices himself for you again and i'm like dude you just did this 45 minutes ago and i don't know there's like there's a lot of poorly thought through things here and like i know it's it's lame to complain about plot holes in a sci-fi game game so i won't but i'm still gonna do it it a little bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) brian's gonna be brian all right And again, for all the stupid plot decisions, I did not enjoy this any less. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because of everything else. It just didn't need it. Like, it could have been the stupidest story ever, and I would not have really cared that much. Because everything else carries the experience all the way through. Absolutely. You know, you're, you can't go picking these types of things apart. Like, it's clearly not where their focus was. Uh, you know, would this game have been better if they had given their writing a little more thought? You know, maybe... You know, having, like I said, I'm going to mention this again. We just came off a game with 12 writers, and here we are talking about the game with maybe a half a writer. (laughs) But I got to be honest, what I probably would have remembered about the game still wouldn't have been the story. It probably would have been the cool mechanics, like the time warping and all the other stuff, or or riding around like a badass in the mech. I probably Mm -hmm. would not have remembered that cool twist in level five, where you find out BT is your dad. (laughs) (laughs) You know... You say that, but then, like, we didn't have, like, we didn't have top-tier writing going on in this game. And, like, if I were to stretch for, like, an FPS game that also had incredible writing, I'd think of something like Portal or Portal 2. And the writing was additive there, right? Like, it didn't... Maybe that game still would have been just as good without it, but... No, no, I think it made... Those games, it made it. It had some cool... It had some cool um, new ideas, too, but it mainly had one idea. This game had so many ideas 
that it just it just didn't need the extra. So you see where I'm coming from, though. Like, it, yeah, yeah. I, I guess at the end of the day, like we weren't we weren't here for that. They knew their strengths and they were sticking to them. And I guess it worked out for him. This is an incredible single player campaign, mechanically speaking, at least. And I'm glad I played it. Yeah, so let's talk about the multiplayer too, because I think that is equal parts important um, to this game, especially because that's where this whole franchise started out. So um, in the multiplayer, there's obviously multiple, like any multiplayer game, there's multiple different uh, kind of games you can play. But the main one and, and the main draw here is something called Attrition. And like we were talking about before, it's almost like a narrative setup. Like you go in and in Attrition, it's not just you versus the enemy so it's it's a 5v5 or 6v6 i can't remember but it's 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 not too many so it's either 6v6 5v5 but it doesn't feel empty because they also feel uh fill this battlefield with um ai enemies too so there will be grunts or robots or other things running around that you can also kill for points and of course as you're running around killing enemy pilots or their ai counterparts you're working up to earn your mech basically so at the beginning, it's all very ground war, and by the end, you've got robots flying in, giant mechs. It's it's chaos. Yeah, it, it is pretty neat that they uh, allow you to help the team, and not just by killing other enemy players that are human-controlled, but also you can effect, effectively turn the tide of battle by being really effective at taking out their low-level troops. You know, grunts, specters, stalkers, reapers, uh, all the... Uh, all the enemies you see in the single-player campaign. They use a very nice economy of design to make all the combats feel very varied, but also use a surprisingly small number of ingredients. Yeah, and I think this is really important. Again, we talked about how their whole selling point here is they're selling you that you're a pilot. You're a complete and total badass. Nothing makes you feel like less of a badass than getting your ass handed (laughs) to you by, you know, another person playing the game that just keeps, you know knocking you out which, which which can easily happen even if you're good at the game they're more of a badass people out there <laughs> exactly but because they have this cannon fodder ai sitting around the map too you still feel like a badass you can still affect combat in some way and you feel like there's some progress and this is great for someone like me who's not like a super avid uh online multiplayer fps person because i still felt like i was doing something cool gaining points you know maybe my kd ratio in terms of human players isn't that great but i i still like I helped, you know, I didn't do nothing. And uh, they do help. They do also make the health of enemy human players very low. Like the time to kill in this game is very short, which makes reflexes a pretty big priority in terms of how this feels compared to say like Halo. But that's what this is all about. And that's what makes it good. So you are the glass cannon when you are, you're a glass cannon, but very agile and can move around like crazy. Again, you can do all the wall running and jumping. Actually, you even get something else. You get a, a, uh, Oh, what was it? Grappling hook. So it, it even adds another thing to make you even more mobile. And I got to be honest, when you're in a tank, it's hard to hit a pilot mm-hmm. if they're doing their thing. Yeah, if they're doing wall runs and slides. And yeah, they, they do give you a lot of tactical options as a pilot too. Like you said, grappling hooks, stealth, uh, a variety of other cool things that you can do. And on top of that, I liked this and I didn't notice it until pretty late, but you have infinite ammo and ordnance and multiplayer in this game, which is very fun. I also didn't notice that. But yeah, again, that falls in line with everything else with this game. They don't ever want to slow you down. Go, 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 go. Always on the run. Like, always action. And and the reloads are fast. Everything is fast. 
yeah, everything's fast. Everything's as frictionless as possible. Like they don't want you to have a moment of unfun. And when you think back to like playing other uh, FPSs, what are the unfun times? It's the times when you feel cheated out of a, you know, a quick death or you ran out of ammo right when you were about to kill a guy or you had a time where you could use a grenade to great effect, but you just didn't have any. And it's like, well, all those things are gone in this game. Or you've been hanging out behind cover for like 10 minutes to pull that one shot off. You don't do that. You use the crouch button, but it is to slide, slide, shoot. Yeah, I, I think my notes here was jump, slide, shoot, rifle, rocket, mech. Like it's you're always just switching from thing to thing. Go, go, go. Don't stop. Just exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, And you just... I don't know. It feels good. It's fast. It's frantic. It's awesome. We we led off with the like two mode discussion, like the pilot mode versus the Titan mode. And I think that really does sort of define this game. Like the, there's not a lot of games that have like a, a, a cycle like that, that you go through where there's like two very different parts of the, the cycle that you're in at any given time while you're playing. And to this game's credit, it basically just slammed two games that feel really good together. Yeah, and they're equal parts, which is the most important thing. They're they're equal parts. They they each have their own strategy. One is not better than the other, and you got to choose which one you're using at any one time based on the situation you're in. Not just like I have mech, I will use mech now. Like you might not want to because there you might be far more effective in this situation as a pilot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hey Amen. You ready to hit some three word reviews? I think so. All right, let's do it. So, my three-word review is half-complete package. Uh, while the mechanics of this game are great, and it feels incredible in your hands, the story is skin-deep at best and hilariously bad and transparent at worst. It's incredible how little attention was paid to the writing in this game compared to how awesome it is mechanically, and it kinda, to me, served to highlight the weakness of the writing. But, that being said, that's not what we're here for, generally speaking, with FPS games. So. I'm glad the campaign ended when it did. The mechanical things it put on display are just amazing. And it didn't run out of gimmicks. Uh, All in all, super fun game. Thumbs up from me. Uh, They know what their strengths are and they stuck to it. And because of this, we have Apex Legends. Win, win, win. Mine was a mechanical masterpiece. For multiple reasons. One, you're in a mech. Two, there's mechanics like crazy. Like every, every single level had its own special mechanic. And... They just did it so well. I've never seen a game do so many things and yet still do it all at level 10. Like, everything they strove to do, minus the story, was great. And uh, like I said, it ended on time. They they knew what they were doing. It was quick, concise, and every, every action felt good. The multiplayer was awesome. The single player was awesome. Uh... I'm sad they're doing Apex Legends right now, actually, because I really wish we'd be seeing some Titanfall 3. I'm super excited to see where this franchise goes, and I hope we get more of it. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, I would play Titanfall 3 for sure, especially if they uh, put as much work into novel design of of a campaign as they did in this one. At any rate, for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Clint Jones. Take care, and prepare for Titanfall. You don't have to explain everything, 
I, I, you know, you're right. Like, I've harped on that before. Like, you don't have to explain everything. But, like, the fact that there was a always-kills-everyone gun embedded in the mech's skull the whole time, like, just when I saw that, I was just like, huh? Why didn't you just... <laughs> oh, you're talking about that pistol? Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's the emergency kit, man. So here's the thing. is like, that worked in Half-Life 2, right? It's just basically the gravity gun upgrade. No, no. T- time out. I, I figured this out, by the way, because I, th- I had the same gripe the first time I played this game, and I was really thinking it through this time that I played it, and I understand why. That only worked because it was using BT's uh, AI to work. Huh. You were you had his AI core in your hand, it was part of it, and it was using his AI targeting system. That's why that worked. Okay, that actually does make some sense. And You uh, were using his brain to make it work. That's neat. But yeah, I, I also didn't think about it too too much in that first time but i'm pretty sure that's what was happening because again he could auto target all those things remember his missile kits that did that all the time i think that's what was happening yeah it's, it's clear to me that like they were going for like a, a half-life 2 upgraded gravity gun situation here and like it maybe it required that logical leap that you just talked about that i just didn't make and that's fine you know so if it, if it missed me it missed me that's okay yeah yeah. We're not all masters of logic. You said it <laughs> yourself. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, some writing's better than others. I'm going to stick to my guns on that one. 